presents knowing the score what sports can teach us about philosophy and what philosophy can teach us about sports written by david papineau read by matthew ament includes a mac and pc compatible pdf of supplementary material for my family introduction Sometimes I wish I had been more of an athlete and less of a philosopher. I have worked most of my adult life as an academic philosopher. I've written several books and many articles. A number of learned societies have elected me their president, and I am still employed as a professor in two well-known philosophy departments in London and New York. My sporting career has been rather less distinguished. This hasn't been for lack of trying. I have competed at tennis, soccer, golf, cricket, rugby, squash, field hockey, and sailing. And that's not just in high school. I have played organized versions of all these sports as an adult, not to mention recreational fishing, sailboarding, and body surfing. My enthusiasm, however, has always outstripped my success. It's not that I'm a duffer, but I have never risen above the lower echelons. I've scored centuries at cricket, but most were for teams of journalists playing village sides. In my time, I was a force to be reckoned with in the fourth division of the North Middlesex Tennis League. I'm still competitive off my golf handicap of 17. You get the idea. Perhaps I wouldn't have enjoyed life as a serious sportsman, even if my abilities had allowed it. One of the themes that will emerge in this audiobook is that top-level sports demand a peculiar mindset a blinkered focus on physical routine. It's not clear that it's a natural life for someone with philosophical inclinations. Still, this hasn't stopped me spending a large proportion of my waking hours playing, watching, and thinking about sports, rather than working at my day job. Until recently, it never occurred to me to combine my two enthusiasms. There is an area of my subject that goes under the heading philosophy of sport, but it has never excited me. Central topics are the ethics of drug use, sport and politics, disability and enhancement, the definition and value of sport, and so on. The normal strategy is to take some contentious topic that exercises sports practitioners or administrators and then analyze the solutions implied by different philosophical theories. It is all a bit earnest, as if the writers want to counterbalance their frivolous subject matter with the sobriety of their prose. I have always kept away. I enjoy sports, and this seemed to make it dull. Then, a few years ago, Anthony O'Hear, director of the Royal Institute of Philosophy, asked me to contribute to a lecture series he was organizing on philosophy and sport. It was the year of the London Olympics, and he thought it would be a good idea to devote the Institute's annual program of lectures to the subject. I couldn't really refuse. I agreed it was a good idea. I was on the council of the institute, and I had an extensive knowledge of both philosophy and sport. If I wasn't going to say yes, who would? So I set to work. I read some of the philosophy of sport literature and started sketching out some thoughts about the definition and significance of sport. But nothing much happened. I couldn't get beyond the most obvious truisms and was starting to have bad dreams about finding myself in front of the audience with nothing to say. After struggling for a while, I made a decision. Instead of writing about one of the topics that philosophers of sport are supposed to write about, 
I resolved to write about something that interested me. If it didn't count as philosophy of sport, that would just be too bad. The topic I chose was the peculiar mental demands of fast response sports like tennis, baseball, and cricket. When tennis star Rafael Nadal faces Roger Federer's serve, he has less than half a second to react. That's scarcely enough time to see the ball, let alone think about how to hit it. Nadal can only be relying on automatic reflexes. Yet at the same time, his shot selection also depends on his consciously chosen strategy, on that day's plan for how best to play Federer in those conditions. This struck me as puzzling. How can unthinking reflexes be controlled by conscious thought? I had great fun addressing this conundrum in my lecture. I didn't try to hide my enthusiasm as a sports fan, and I included as many anecdotes as seemed relevant. But I also ended up with a series of substantial...